When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, Ben. Hey, Scott. <laughs> I, got, I got some uh, some news for you. What's going on? We've got a piece of listener mail here that um, I find very interesting. Well, let's not wait. All right. Well, let me, let, let me read it to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it comes from a fan that uh, that wrote to us. His name is Michael from Charleston, South Carolina. Hi, Mike. Oh, and Michael. <laughs> Some people don't I, like it if you call him Mike. And have Michael. Oh, okay, gotcha. I thought maybe I stuttered. No. Um, let's see. I always thought of a couple. This is a big fan. Six months. I always thought of a couple of. Uh, I thought of a couple of automotive things I've been curious about. The first is the origins of the Ford GT40. I've heard a little st- of the story of this car, and it always leaves me wanting more. And the other one was um, one that we're already talking about doing a podcast about, or if we haven't already, F1 car and IndyCar differences? Hmm. Maybe. Hmm. I think we may have talked about it a little bit. But um, anyways, this Ford GT40 thing really piqued my interest because yeah. Yeah. it always makes my list of top ten. Whenever we do a top ten mm-hmm. favorite cars, top ten sports cars, whatever, it's, it's always on there. And I had... I was so excited to hear about that first suggestion that I almost did not hear the second one, which mm-hmm. is a good idea. But, uh, man, let me just tell everybody listening, Scott and the Ford GT40 go back, <laughs> at least the way our show is concerned, man. Really? You've yeah. always loved this line. Yeah, I do. I do. You know what? When I brought in, we have, uh, can I, can I say this about the photo shoot thing? Yeah. We brought, we had a little photo shoot here recently and I brought in some models and what was one of the models? It was a GT40. That's right, with golf colors. It had the uh, the blue and orange golf colors, mm-hmm. and uh, I've got a couple of those in my collection. I, I love that car. I think oh, it's beautiful. Man. The only way I would like that scale model more is if it was the real car. If it was one-to-one scale and drivable? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we can still qualify it as a scale model. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, one-to-one scale. That's, uh, that's a good idea. So the GT40. Yeah. Scott, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to run my mouth too much on this. Mm-hmm. Um but I need to check with you on a couple of things. Sure. On the storied history of this automobile. Well, which, tell, tell me what you know. Well, I know that the Ford GT40 was, of course, um, 
made by Henry Ford, directed by Henry Ford. And um, from what I understand, Mr. Ford, as he often does, had a dream. And his dream was to do very well in a certain race. Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can you maybe break down? I mean, obviously, right. I will, uh, the cool I'll, parts. I'll give, you the, I'll give you the straight scoop on this one. How about that? Yeah, just the straight scoop. You want to, uh, you, you want me to just... Let it fly from the beginning, and we'll see where this takes us. And you can stop me on the way, okay? All right, sounds uh, good. But I'll just go right through the uh, through the progression of this whole vehicle mm-hmm. uh, from beginning to end. And uh, when we wrap up, that's it. All right, because um, it has a very uh, crisp ending. I'll say. <laughs> Ooh, you ain't lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here we go. Mm-hmm. All right, so the Ford GT40 story. This is for uh, for Michael in Charleston, South Carolina, and me too, because I like it. <laughs> so the uh, what really what this really comes down to. And it's a funny way to think about it, but it's really the ultimate I'll show you move by Ford, Ford Motor Company. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, you'll, you'll understand in a moment because a lot of people have probably heard that, you know, there was a, a Ford Ferrari thing going on in the 1960s and that's true. Um, you gotta remember that Ford was building cars since 1903. Really since 1896, if you want to count his initial prototype car, sure. you know, the quadricycle thing. Um, that's the founding of the company in 1903. Um, but the Model T didn't come out until about 1908. So you're saying, you know, here's a company that came around in 1908. He's been successful since 1908. Um, Ferrari in 1947, you know, coming along, that's a, that's an upstart company. Yeah. And, you know, that's upstart since, uh, you know, we're talking about something that happened in the early part of the 1960s because Ferrari came about as, as just a, company that wanted to build race cars. They mm-hmm. wanted to build outstanding road cars, race cars, and, uh, you know, build enough road cars to be able to race in different series around the world. And, um, you know, so so to Ford, this is a newcomer. You know, they, they're yeah. about 13, 14 years old. Um, pretty new company. So he had the bold idea, or actually in, in about the 50s, um, Ford Motor Company, they wanted to um, kind of end their, their – um, I don't know how I want to say this. There, there was a ban on racing. Yes. Um, there was a ban on – I don't know. They had joined a ban on and for direct involvement in racing. Uh, right. It was, so, it was instituted so American manufacturers wouldn't mm-hmm. participate in racing directly, and they had joined that. So that meant that Ford could not – not only could they not build race cars themselves, mm-hmm. but they couldn't directly sponsor other races. Yes, that's right. So by – 1962, and this is when, actually, instead of Henry Ford, this is Henry Ford II mm-hmm. is now running the company, okay? So, really, it's Henry Ford II's, uh, you know, he's, he's the one prompting all this, okay? Is he still crazy like a fox? Uh, he, you know, not as much as the old man. Okay. Not as much, because uh, we know some of the background on that. That, that guy's, uh, although brilliant, a little bit nuts, right? Yeah, I yeah, think we, I, I, it's fair to say it. I mean, really, we have we actually uh, we have a podcast called Henry Ford is Weird. Yeah, that's right. For anyone who wants to to get more details. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, for good reasons. But so this is the sequel, <laughs> Henry Ford Two. So okay, so under this, he he withdrew his company's ban on racing. Okay, okay. he said we're out of it. We're we're going to go for this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because he was he was just excited about racing, um, and he created a group called Ford Total Performance. Okay, and Ford total total performance with had the main goal or the main idea to win a very specific race that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. They wanted to win an endurance race called the Twenty Four Hours of Le Mans, mm-hmm. and it has a much longer name than that. But I'm just right. going to say Twenty Four Hours of Le Mans. Um, of course, that's been around since 1923, so it's a very prestigious race. Of course, 
very difficult endurance race, you know, high sure. speeds overnight, um, long, long track. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the 1960s, when this is all happening, Ferrari is really the top end of this endurance racing series. They're, they're yeah. the, they're the one to beat. They're, they're number one. Of course, remember, they're relatively new at the time. Young company and they're a specialized company. Exactly. And now Ford's got this interest in racing and they say, well, we want to, you know, we want to be the best, of course. Uh, you don't have racing to, to lose. Um, so they say, <laughs> let's, let's buy Ferrari because we don't have a car right now that is a mid-engine car that can compete with, um, you know, the likes of Ferrari mm-hmm. in a, in a, uh, situation, in a race like that. We just don't have anything that, that matches what we need to compete in this series. So, the obvious solution to them was to buy Ferrari. Because, and it, it sounds weird, but let's think it through because it makes sense. It is totally reasonable to decide to buy a company when it's going to be so much more expensive mm-hmm. for you to have to build your own uh, race car. From own, scratch. From scratch. Yeah, so because, structure and I mean, think about the, the Fords of the early 60s. They needed to build a, a mid-engine car that could, that could do 200 miles per hour, per hour and, and average 120 miles per lap for 24 hours at a time. And they just didn't have that. No, they had nothing close to that. Right. Ferrari did. Yeah. And they said, well, you know, here's this new company again. Um, we're going to make them an $18 million deal. We're going to, we're going to say, we'll buy you for $18 million. Can I just get your company, basically? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And they were in talks with Enzo Ferrari, the owner of Ferrari. And Mm -hmm. they were considering it for a brief time. Um, suddenly, I mean, very suddenly, Enzo Ferrari decided, uh, the, the name isn't for sale. We're going to stick with this. We're going to do it ourselves. Hmm. So he gave up 18 million bucks, which was a good move in retrospect. Sure. Uh, gave that up (laughs) and, uh, and said, you know what? We're going to continue doing what we do. You go do what you do, and uh, good luck with your own race team. Mm-hmm. Um, so he just didn't want to uh, dilute the name, I guess, at that point, right? Um, if you can call it that. Yeah. Good news. What's the good news? Ford had a plan B on the back burner. And the name of that plan B was, I'll go ahead and tell you what I think I should call okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Vengeance? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's exactly right. It was vengeance, right? And, uh, and, what had been going on behind the scenes was that Ford was developing a racing racing program or development mm-hmm. team on its own. Yep. And they took what was a concept car at the time. And you know what, Ben? I'm going to hand you a photo and the rest of our listeners Did can look it up. a photo of it? Take a look at that. Oh, wow. That is a car. And, and I want everybody else to look this up because this is what, mm-hmm. this is what orig- originally prompted the whole F40 design. Um, this is the, this is the Mustang one concept car that came wow. out in 1962. Okay. So it's the Mustang concept. If you recall, the Ford Mustang didn't come out until 1964 with a mm-hmm. production version. Mm-hmm. That was the concept vehicle for the Mustang. And it looks nothing like what the Mustang, to me, it looks nothing like what the no. Mustang does, but it was a mid-engine sports car. And this is the beginning of what, you know, Ford needed in order to make this whole thing work. Mm-hmm. So they based it they based the uh the GT what they called the Ford GT at the time because it wasn't called the GT40. It's called the Ford GT on the Mustang 1 concept car. And uh, it had shared bodywork and it was in the you know the um um sorry they they also paired up with Lola. Uh so a guy from Lola who had um, a vehicle that they called the Lola GT, which is still, they still got Lola GTs mm-hmm. floating around here and there. Um, but that's GT for Grand Touring, of course. Um, the guy's name was Eric Broadley. Uh, Roy Lunn, I think is his name, is the one who designed the, um, the Mustang One concept car. 
Um, but they, they shared body work with the Lola GT, which is this real long, sleek, wide, you know, body. Mm-hmm. And they were able to use the Mustang One chassis and other running gear, uh, in order to make this work. And of course, they've got, you know, extremely deep pockets because they are, um, you know, it's a, it's a big American so manufacturer world's at the time. Largest car company. Huge company at the time and still is. But, yeah. um, you know, at the time, they've got a lot of money, so they can throw a lot of money into the development of this, and it was quick. Yeah. So by 1964, they introduced the Ford GT to the public um, at the New York, well, New York Auto Show. The oh press. wait, before we get yeah. right there, um, I was under the impression that Henry Ford II, angry about the deal with Enzo Ferrari, came back and didn't just say, "Let's make a race car." Mm-hmm. He said, "Let's make the race car that beats Ferrari at Le Mans." Yes, because they, you know what? What I love the the reason I'm pulling my cut rate. Um, Wrath of Khan impersonation there is because it's such a spiteful move. Yeah. Cause right, the Ferrari guys, they just said, look, we just want to do really well with these cars in this one specific way. We don't want did. you to change us. And, and they, they did. did. Yeah. And they did. But that was despite the efforts of Mr. Ford who said, oh, you want this one thing? Yeah. Then it shall be mine. Yeah, that's right. I'm <laughs> going to take it away because that's what he did. He was, it was a spiteful move. He said, you know what? If I can't have your company and, and your success, your, you know, the, that mm-hmm. part of your success, I'm going to do it on my own and uh, I'm going to do it quickly and make you, uh, make you see the error of your ways. You should have joined up forces with us. Right. And we're not, I'm not trying to make him seem like a villain by any no, means. No, 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 not at all. I think it's very funny. But I also think we're very lucky that he held a grudge because – I'm sorry for that aside. Let's go back to 1964 when uh, one of the most awesome race cars No, no, not at all. Out. I mean I, I don't mind the side aside at all because that's what this whole thing is about. I love this era in racing in that it's a, you know, I'll do you one better. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and that was constantly going on. It was going on between, uh, Ford and GM. It was going, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Good point. Good point. I'm sorry. It was going on good between point. Ford and Dodge. Ford and Dodge. Um, on the racetracks. It was going on, you know, there, and of course GM was involved as well. But, yeah. um, there was just this intense motorsports battles that started to happen after this, uh, once they, once they lifted this ban on racing. And mm-hmm. it was really kind of cool because this is where a lot of, you know, the muscle car development and the sports car development and mm-hmm. the, the real, um, you know, the performers, the, the handling vehicles that they have now, um, all of that came from this era. You know, they learned an awful lot in, uh, in, in a short amount of time because they had to. Racing forces development of things like that faster makes it, uh, makes it quick. Nice, Scott. Um, that was quotable. Oh, thank you. I like that. Thank you. Well, anyways, let's get back to 1964. Oh, yes. Time travel. So, <laughs> so in 1964, um, let's see. They uh, they unveiled it. Yeah, they unveiled it in 1964 in New York uh, to the the public and the press, mm-hmm. and of course everybody went crazy over it, right? Yeah. Um, it wasn't until let's see. Oh, they practiced with it in 1964. Oh, you know what? Let's three see. weeks later. Mark II. They had a Mark II version of this thing, right? Yes. And they added the 40 so that it's now GT40 because it was unveiled as a GT, Ford GT. Mm-hmm. Uh, they added 40 to it, which is really nothing more than the car's height in inches, okay? okay. So it's 40 inches tall, which gives you an idea of the stance of this thing. It's really, really low, yeah, wide low car. Slung. Gorgeous car, in my opinion. I think you're right. I agree. Uh, <laughs> well, I have the same opinion. Yeah, it's a beautiful race car. Yeah. Um, so they went to practice in 1964. Um, this is practice, you know, for endurance racing. Uh, mm-hmm. they have poor weather, aerodynamic problems. 
uh, that led to two crashes, and they got very little information about this, right? So this is, you know, an accelerated development program, right? Yeah. So by June of 1964, and that's when uh, Lama's uh, Lama rather is run. Um, all but one. I'm sorry, no. Um, competitions in 1964. There were three in there, right? Um, further development. They they uh, they went all went out. I believe they all went out in 1964. I don't mm-hmm. know how many there were in the first race, okay. uh, but went out to you know numerous various failures is what it says in in most articles. That's what I um, without too. without getting into detail about each one were. Yeah. Um, they brought in at that point Carol Shelby, widely known uh, you mm-hmm. know motorsports guy Carol Shelby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, brought him in for reliability, and uh, the the way that he increased reliability in these in these cars was he added a seven liter engine. So that's the uh, the Ford 427 that we all know and love, um, <laughs> or most of us and know yeah. and love it, anyways. Um, and by 1965, and that's that's a Mark II, right, with the 427? Correct. Yeah, that's right. Correct. And so by 1965, they were slightly better, but still unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Um, they were what's considered a strong contender, uh, you know, competition for Ferrari. But really, that was in only two seasons. And that's really saying an awful lot. You don't just come out of the box with a car that that works to beat Ferrari in uh, in two years. Yeah, this was what they considered a strong contender. They were worried about Ford in 1966, which is exactly where he wanted them to be. Exactly, and they should have been worried because 1966 was a banner year for Ford. Yes, sir. And a GT40. Um, you know, they had it in between there. You know, they had a wind tunnel that they were able to test on a dynamometer. Mm-hmm. That um, it was a it simulated a 48-hour test of of Le Mans, so they, they're running double the time, and knowing that their car is reliable enough to make it 48 hours versus yeah. 24 hours, and in an exact you know similar situation as as uh, Le Mans course, mm-hmm. so they knew they had the reliability thing down. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get into 1966, and I'm going to call that a magic year for Ford. Yeah. So um, it really was because. This is when, you know, everything came together. They had a win and date. There's a lot of different, um, endurance races and these right. are still around. Yeah. Um, all three of these that I'm going to mention are still around. They won in Daytona, the 24 hours of Daytona. Mm-hmm. They won in a one, two, three sweep. The Ford GT40 did, mm-hmm. which is impressive. Uh, they not won. To, not to, I mean, it's more than impressive. It's quite rare. Oh, exactly. It? Yeah. And they won in Sebring, a 12 hour race, which mm-hmm. is another endurance mm-hmm. race. And again, a one, two, three sweep. So then comes Le Mans in June of that same year, 1966. Guess what? I'm going to go ahead and guess that Ford wins. One, two, three, just like uh, just like the previous two oh, races. Oh, was they Ferrari it, number four? Uh, you know what? I don't even know. I'm going to have to look back at the – because <laughs> I, I was so. focused on this, but yeah. maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, they won by such a significant amount that year. They were, they were in such a lead at that point. They were actually told to slow down. So that they didn't break anything just inadvertently driving because, um, you know, they were able to have that cushion, uh, mm. to say, let's back it off a little bit and just make sure we, we cross the line one, two, three. Can I add something in there? Yeah, please quick? do. Okay. So the one that won that, uh, excuse me, the car that grabbed the first place spot in 66, mm-hmm. I believe was a J car. Is that correct? Uh, it's a type yeah. of, it's a, one of the, one of the types it worked on. This one was a little bit different because they really had taken the lessons learned from the other make, the other marks in the wind tunnel. Mm-hmm. And this car, uh, weighed less than 3,000 pounds. No kidding. It was like 2,600 something. And, um, so that's in addition to, uh, 
in addition to being like skimpy, positively skimpy in, yeah. in the weight ratio, it was still um, hundreds of pounds less than the Mark II. Mm-hmm. And those improvements, I think, are really why they had such a strong showing, an unprecedented showing. Sure, really. they were rocket fast. I mean, these cars are, those are big cars. Mm-hmm. And to be able to cut down weight like that, um, of course, racing is all about reducing weight, mm-hmm. um, you know, and reliability, of course. But, um, yeah, that, for them to be able to cut hundreds of pounds off a vehicle, that's, that's incredible. And yet keep it safe. So, and they were able to yeah. do that with, you know, new technology. Like you said, it, it just, it comes along and they use it and it's often lighter and better. I mean, most of our safety technology descends from racing, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah, it does. And a lot of, a lot of what you see on your car comes mm-hmm. from racing more than you would think. More than you'd think. We also have a episode about that. <laughs> Very good, Ben. <laughs> I got to stop wow, plugging our own man. episodes. Man. Anyway, yeah. So, so banner year, man. Take us back. And You're- speaking of soft drinks, if you'd like a soft drink, uh, <laughs> why don't you head down to the concession stand? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. That's good. I thought that was all right. You, you need to plug uh, the podcast as much as possible. Do you think so? Yeah, why not? I mean, oh. people, because we're getting to the point where we've got so many, people need to look back at some of the older ones. And get, you know, uh, we're honestly getting to the point where I have to, I have to look through our notes to make sure that I don't already have notes from related things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you guys yeah. should see Scott's desk. He has this meticulously <laughs> filed away. Yeah, it's uh, meticulous is not the word for it. It's a foolproof system. Yeah, I sure. should know because I'm foolish. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so so take us back, man. Henry Ford so, II riding high. Yeah, in 1966, this is the uh, this is the top for them, really. I mean, they they won what's known as the Triple Crown of Endurance Racing. It was mm-hmm. all three of those. It was Daytona, Sebring, and then Le Mans. And um, you know, that's only their third season of competition, which is just remarkable. I mm-hmm. mean, this is. Like I said, it's the ultimate I'll show you move to Ferrari. I mean, they had to have been just super angry at this point. Um, you know, can you imagine the company that wanted to buy you who is now, you know, it would have been a, a tidy sum yeah. of money as well. And uh, here they are finishing one, two, three in the series that you compete in and you had formerly done so well in. And now they're topping you in only three years. Astonishing. It is. It really is. I mean, that just shows you what, you know, being able to throw a whole bunch of money into development and uh, and research does. So in 1967, things weren't really terribly different. I mean, mm-hmm. they uh, they had a, they brought an all new Ford GT40, which is the Mark IV, into competition just to prove that you know that wasn't you know 1966 wasn't just a uh, a fluke, I guess is what yeah, they said. Yeah. And it was really for the first time it was an all American car. Uh, this car was built in Dearborn, Michigan, entirely, and um, so it wasn't just uh, what people had had some criticism for this. They said they were driving English cars. With, uh, you know, they said they were funded by deep American pockets, I think is how it was put in the article Ooh, that I read. And of course, words. you know, they got an, you know, they've got a, a U.S. engine, uh, um, you know, the 427 that they've been using or other variations of that at that point. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what 67 they ran. Um, but as is usually the case, you know, there's one group of cars that's running away with everything and they, they adapt the rules to uh, make that not so anymore. Right, right, because they want to keep it a level playing field for everybody. Keep it competitive. Yeah, keep it competitive, and in a way, I understand this, and in a way, I don't. I think uh, you know it needs to. You need to let them be a little bit creative, I think, but you can be creative after that. Um, after the 1967 race, uh, where again GT40 took the took the mm-hmm. victory, and um, there were only there weren't very many Mark IVs built. No, like, how, well, how many? Uh, six, I think. Six, really. There were less than twelve. Wow. Talk about rare. So can you imagine finding one of those in an auction or something? I mean, 
I can kind of imagine it, but only and vaguely. We, you know, we talked about um, the production vehicles that they had to make yeah. in order to race these cars to begin with. Yes, and yes. And there were only 31 streetcars, I think, originally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what – that must have been in, back in the 64. Right. Um, and, anyways, we're yeah, yeah, the sorry, track here. Yeah, yeah, sorry. But um, in 67, the FIA capped, which is the, uh, the sanctioning organization, FIA, uh, they capped uh, engine displacement at 5 liters. Which, you know, the Ford's running a seven liter engine wah, at that wah, point. So wah. they, they reduced the, uh, the liter capacity. And, um, but the Gulf oil cars returned with the Mark I GT40s, or GTs, I guess, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, um, they had a win in 1968 and 69 again. And this is Gulf oil. You know, the ones that, uh, we talked about with the light blue and yeah, orange. Yeah. A lot of people know the, the paint scheme, yeah. uh, the Gulf oil cars. Um, and then in 1969, so they're continuing to win still, even though these restrictions mm-hmm. are placed on this thing, right? 69, they call that one of the most exciting endurance races in Le Mans history because here you are racing 24 hours, right? Yes. The margin of victory, two seconds. Between? Ford and uh, number two. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who yeah, that yeah. was. Yeah, I'll have to look that up but, and find so out they, who they, they beat. But so they started losing their edge. Yeah, you know, they, well, yeah, I guess so at the end, but they still won. Yeah, they still uh, it's, it's still a victory in uh, in 1969, but that kind of uh, that kind of ended the the uh, the run of um, you know victories for Ford in in that series, and that was fine with them because you know by 1969 the thing had 425 horsepower and it was clocked going 217 miles per hour on the the uh, on the back straight of the this course, which is called the Mulsanne Straight, I think, mm-hmm. and. Um, Pretty much, it had done everything that they had wanted to. I mean, it it prompted new GT racing rules, of course, mm-hmm. because you know it was just dominating the series. And uh, unfortunately, that's what ended its own success. I mean, that you know, once once you get to the point where you're you're in control of the series, mm-hmm. you know that the sanctioning body is going to say, "Well, let's take another look at this and make sure that you know that it is competitive for everybody. We don't want them to get discouraged. We want it to continue on. What can we do to level it?" Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what they did, and that's when uh, the GT40 went away, 1969. And on that note, we have to say that the lesson is ending, but uh, just just to put it in perspective, um, a car so good that the rules had to change, you know? Yeah, yeah. A car so good that even now, after 1969, decades later, the world is just replete with enthusiasts and people who love this vehicle, mm-hmm. who want one, who buy replicas, who advise each other on how to repair them and oh, get the best performance. There's some great replicas out there. They're beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful replicas. And and the Ford GT that is offered by the the manufacturer. Yes, uh, that's re- that's gone now. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, there are plenty of them out there. They're they're a high dollar car, of course. Right. Uh, compared to a replica, in some cases. Yeah. Well, some are more expensive, but mm-hmm. um, and the originals. Oh my gosh! If you can find an original in an auction somewhere, or you'll see them in museums. They're, you know, they're uh, they're beyond most people's. You know, wallets, sure. pocketbooks. I bet our boy Jay Leno has a few. I bet he does. He's got probably got he's, at least he's one. He's probably got one. Yeah, he's somewhere. probably just he's probably got the one. Yeah. It's his daily driver. <laughs> That's <laughs> probably right. Hey, Ben, you're not going to believe this. What is it? We've got a brand new app that's coming out very soon on the iPhone. It's called the HowStuffWorks.com app. And uh, basically, it just gives you access to all of the content that you can get on our website, articles, videos, everything. Scott, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, this app, I love it 
because it goes out on the iPad, the iPod Touch, the iPhone, and here's uh, the kicker for me. It's free. Free is always good. Free is the way. And you can listen to car stuff. You know, the latest podcast. Mm-hmm. You can check out our blog, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. You know, while you're on the go. Okay, so check out the HowStuffWorks.com app and tell us what you think. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and I'm a journalist. Join me on my new podcast, But We Loved, where queer elders recount the amazing history they've lived through. In the middle of Wall Street, they stopped traffic. They were doing a die-in. And in the process, share little gems of wisdom for the next generation. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. You can listen to But We Loved on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.